Please be seated. So before we get uh, into the message side of this, I need to say thank you. If you did not know, we had a flood here yesterday. Uh, a, a pipe in the men's restroom upstairs broke, uh, and water was everywhere. Um, there was, if you walk out these doors, the water was all the way to the end of this railing. Um, and uh, I mean, it was like uh, just over the foot deep, <laughs> just over my foot deep when we got here. When I got here, the water was uh, going out the, the glass doors onto the sidewalk. Uh, it was a mess. But there were uh, 17 of us that got together and got here and cleaned up as best we could and got it fixed. And, and so uh, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for all those. It was encouraging to be here and to see all the people working and all the shop vacs going and, and all of that. So, but anyway, all that to say, thank you to those people. And if you find a mess somewhere, we know about it. Uh, and uh, we're working on it. But um, so we'll, we'll get that taken care of. Now, last Sunday was a very interesting day. Our family was sitting around in our house and all of a sudden our phones all went crazy. And what was happening was, is people from Texas were texting us and calling us and asking, are you okay? And so my phone rang, and it was my dad, and I picked it up. I said, hey, dad. And he said, are you all right? I said, I'm great. How are you? He said, no, are you okay? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, there's been a shooting in Jacksonville. I said, are you kidding me? So we turned on the TV and saw what was going on. And, and it was, uh, as we watched that, it became very clear what we've known for some time is that there is a lot of darkness in our world. There's a lot of hurt. Uh, there's a lot of people responding to hurt with more darkness. Uh, there's a lot of uh, mental issues. There, there's a, and, and I looked at that, and, and initially our response is always, well, what are the people in charge going to do about it? And surely there are things that can be done. But as a follower of Jesus, I have to step back and I, ask, I have to ask, what is my part in this? And, and so I think as we, as we look at it then, we, we realize that as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount and going, how would Jesus live my life? Today's passage is incredible because one of the things that we're called to do is to bring light to darkness. And so Jesus, as we talked about last week in, in the, the Beatitudes, he, he presented his kingdom as the first reality, as a new reality. It's answering all of the questions that have been asked, and it's all fulfilled in me, he would say. And then he, he told us, this kingdom is so significant, it's worth sacrificing everything for. And after the introduction then, he begins to tell his disciples and us, this is what I expect of you. And he begins with the idea that we are to be salt and light. So let's talk about that. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13, verses 13 through 16. It's page 969 if you're using the Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. How would Jesus live my life? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And and so Jesus says, here's the deal in my kingdom, you are two things. You are salt and you are light. Now, I've always struggled with the salt thing, and not because it's so difficult to understand, but because the old-timey preachers, all right, the preachers I grew up under, and some of you grew up under, here's what they told us, here's what they told me, is that salt is a preservative, right? We know that. And so they would use all kinds of salt to preserve meat so they could keep it over time. And, he, and they would say, we are what preserves this world, and if we don't live the way that we should, God will destroy America. That was the message when I was a kid. It was like, oh man, that's a lot of responsibility. But the reality is, is salt is so much more for the Middle Eastern culture even today than what we see that. So we need, we need to ask, what did the disciples hear? Because when they thought about salt, they thought about a lot of other things. Obviously, it's something that you use to put on your food to make it taste better. Um, but it was so much more than that. Salt was a part of a covenant agreement. Right? So if, if, if I made an agreement with another person and we did a handshake on it, it wouldn't stop there. There wasn't a contract. We would sit down at a meal and we would put salt on whatever we were eating and that would solidify the agreement. That would make it official. There would be no getting out of it. Once we put salt on it and we ate, this was a, a, like a binding contract today. All right, And it was a handshake, eating salt, contract. But see, for the Jewish people, it's even deeper than that. If you look in Leviticus, God commanded all of the people, when they gave sacrifices, to put salt on it. Because the salt made the covenant official. If you read, God is talking about David at one point, and and promising that the Messiah will come under his line. He said, I made a salt agreement with David. I made a salt covenant with him. And so what the disciples heard Jesus saying was, is you are now the representatives of this new covenant. You are the salt that solidifies the reality of this. You are now my representatives in this world. As my followers in my kingdom, you are now the ones who let the world see that this covenant is real. And everything you do and everything that you say, you are the salt that people know it's legitimate. That people know it's real. And I think we need to look at that and we we need to step back and we say, well, what does that mean to us? That means that as a follower of Jesus... Every place that I go, every conversation that I have, everything that I do, I am a representative of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, Jesus told us, we talked last week, this is worth dying for, but now it's worth living for. And everything that you do, everything that you practice, everything that you are, you represent the King and His kingdom. 
And then he says something very interesting. If you notice, what if the salt loses its saltiness? Well, scientifically, we know that salt does not lose its saltiness. Unless something else gets intermingled with it and corrupts it. And what Jesus said was, you are the salt that represents this covenant. Don't let the world corrupt you. Don't ever forget who you are. Don't ever forget that you represent me. Don't ever forget that you belong to me. Don't ever let it stop. So the idea is, is that we as followers, we are to represent the kingdom well. Because if we don't, as Jesus said, really, what good are you? <laughs> that's Doug's interpretation, but, but that's what he said. What, what good are you if you are the salt, but you're not salty? If you're not representing me well? So, this past Tuesday, there were elections that took place. Now, my wife works in Clay County, so I really kept up close with those. And the Clay County voters decided to raise their property taxes to pay for uh, security in the schools. And I got online Wednesday just to see what the reaction would be. And I opened up my laptop, and I went to look, and it was like fire came out of the screen and singed my eyebrows because everybody was so mad. It was like communism's coming to America now because we voted this way. And so I just started reading, and at first it was entertaining. Then I began to read, and I began to realize, wait a minute, I know some of these people. Wait a minute. I not only know some of these people, these are people of faith. Wait a minute. I'm watching Christians online attack each other. I'm watching one side say the other side can't love Jesus and vote the way they did, and I'm watching the other side say the same exact thing. I'm going, whoa! This isn't how salt functions. And I was this close, and I'm so glad I didn't, to getting involved. Not about the vote, but about vote however you want, but leave Jesus out of it. Because it's not his fault. And so I think it's very important for us to realize that every time we walk into our home, we represent the covenant. Every time we change rooms, we represent the covenant. Every time we drive our car down the street, we represent the covenant. Every time we go into the grocery store, we represent the covenant. Every time we're in a restaurant, every day we go to work, every time we interact with fellow employees or our employees or employers, we represent the king. And one of the things we have to realize is we don't come to church. We are the church. And so when we go other places, when we are the church out there just like we are in here. We come to worship. And so Jesus is putting on his disciples and on us this responsibility. Look, if you're going to be a part of my kingdom, you now represent this covenant, this new covenant, this new kingdom. You are the representatives here on earth. You are the one that represent who I am and what I am. So don't ever forget. You're salt. You live your life in a way 
that lets the world know that this covenant's legit. That's a big deal. And so Jesus, I think, is following up this idea. Uh, if you're going to decide that you're in and you're going to decide this is worth dying for, then all of a sudden you need to determine that this is worth living for too. Because as the salt of the earth, you represent this covenant and you're the seal of it. Let the world see the covenant in your life. So Jesus then goes on and he says, you're the light of the world. And so let's look at that real quick. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light is God living through us. Jesus says, as my followers now, I have put a light in you. Let the light shine. The light shines by the way we live, by the way we interact with others, by the way we treat others, by the way we treat our family, by, by the way we interact with the world and we live out and do good deeds. That's how we let the light shine. Now, it's very important for us in this to see that when it comes to light shining, we are like the moon, not the sun. Right? You know that the moon does not put off any light whatsoever. Right? If you don't know that, please nod your head and pretend like you do, because that's the basic scientific reality. The moon does not put off any light. The moon only reflects the light of the sun, and it looks like it's producing light. And that is our relationship with Jesus. Jesus puts his light in us. And we don't produce any light. He puts the light in us, and all we can do is get in the way of the light shining. That's why Jesus said, you know, don't put a light under a bushel in the house. You don't cover it up. You, you let it shine so everybody can see. And so as his followers now, we have this light, and we let this light shine. We don't cover it up. We don't put it out. We let it glow. Because light affects the darkness. I remember once we were on a, ta- on a, on a tour of a cavern. And uh, the tour guide took us into this room. We sat in a circle. And the tour guide said, all right, we're going to turn off the lights. And you're going to experience total darkness. So they turned off the lights. And it was creepy. I was taking my hand in front of my face. And I never saw it even when I hit my nose. It's like, wow, this is awful. You know, because usually in a dark room, eventually some light creeps in and you can see. You can see nothing. And then the, the guide turned on their light, the flashlight. And you could see everything. It was so weird and, and so powerful. But, but light has this ability to change the darkness. And when we talk about last Sunday and what happened, what can we do? We bring light. We're bearers of light. We let our light shine. We let his light shine through us. Uh, when my children were teenagers, um, for some reason, they didn't like getting up in the morning. I, I don't know what it was. One was a lot worse than the other. Um, but here was, here was the standard. Um, the first time I come, because much to their dismay and dismay of most people that know me in our family, I'm a morning person. So mornings are fun for me. 
So uh, the first step was I would go in and I would say, it's time to get up. That was warning shot number one. Right? Ten minutes later, when they were still asleep, warning shot number two was I would come and turn all the lights on. Warning shot number three, ten minutes later, was I would come in and I would sing the good morning song. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. They loved that. (laughs) And then the the fourth step was I'd pour water on their head. All right? Because then it would be time to really need to get after this. So, it was amazing whenever the lights came on. It was like I was the most torturous person in all the world. Dad, turn the light off. Not till you get up. Dad, and pillows overhead, you know, anything to, to get rid of the light. And I think that's what's really important for us to see. Light changes darkness. And please don't hear me say what I'm not saying. Jesus is not calling us to attack. Jesus is not calling us to fix everybody. Jesus is calling us to live such a pure life and such a godly life that people celebrate God. That's what he says. Let your good deeds show how awesome the Father is. Let your good deeds point people to God. Let your good deeds glorify the king. See, I, I'm, I'm to a point in my journey in life where I think it's about time for us to shut up and start acting like children of the light. Not that words in themselves can be bad and can't do good things, but doggone it, we're talking so much. Quit talking, start doing. And, and I think that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, live such a godly life that people will be drawn to the king. So Peter said it this way. He said in, in Peter, uh, I believe it's First Peter chapter 2, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. You know? So God calls us to live a life of love, a life of doing good deeds to help others, a life of caring, um, a life of, you know, Jesus attacked people verbally. It was the religious leaders that had all the answers. It wasn't the woman caught in adultery. It wasn't the person living the sinful life. It was the person that misrepresented God. So we need to remember, it's, it's not that we're here to attack. It's not that we're here to fix everybody. We just bring light to the darkness. And we pray for those opportunities to bring light when darkness seems to be reigning. Because light will always win against the darkness. So, we take that and we make it practical for what does it mean for me in 2018? And so, what, is, what does it look like today? So, several things that I have that everywhere we go, whether it's home, work, school, driving, restaurants, the grocery store, homes of other people, or online, our focus should always be the king and his kingdom. When I walk into the grocery store today, I am there as a representative of the king and his kingdom. Knowing that I can't make light, I just am a bearer of light. So when it comes to business, My goodness, we should be people of integrity. 
If we're paid for eight hours, we should work eight hours. If we have bills, we should pay them. Oh, when we go through this, if we have employees, that we should be responsible and care for them in a way that would bring God, God honor and glory. When we make business deals with people, we should keep our end. Real simple. Not always done, but real simple. When we walk into our homes, we ought to be bringers of love. We ought to uplift and encourage those in our house. We ought to be safe for our family. When we walk into to work, we, we ought to go into work with the idea that I am bringing light to the people I work with. Not that I have all the answers, but I am bringing light. A person of light brings encouragement and lives in joy. When I see someone in need, a pair of light intervenes. Yes, they can. And so ultimately, we listen to the Spirit as the Spirit leads us every day. What does it mean today, Lord, to be a bearer of light for you? Because I represent this covenant that you made with us. And I'm a bearer of the light. What does that look like for me today? Today. And it's amazing how God will use us to bring light to darkness and transform lives. You know, we don't know how many shooters have been stopped because someone came into their life when they were children and showed, and showed them God's love. Their trajectory was to take a gun and shoot people, but because someone invested in their lives with God's love and God's light, their whole trajectory was changed. We don't know how many times God has used us to change that. So it's important for us to see as salt and light, we are here to represent the king and bring light to a dark world. Let's pray.